Hello and welcome everyone to episode 178 of the Green and Gold Rugby Podcast. My name is Rugby Reg and it's great to have you all on board again. As per usual, there's absolutely plenty happening in this great game of ours. And uh, a little later I'll be joined with a couple of our regulars to talk about all of that sort of stuff. But before I do, we have another in our series of Rugby World Cup Legends podcasts. Once again brought to you by Queensland Rugby Union's Reds Long Lunch, which will be held this year on the 16th of July. Very much a Rugby World Cup focus, uh, which ties in nicely with our podcast. They've got some very special guests this year, including the one and only David Campisi, uh, that absolute loose cannon that he is, that he was on the field and seems to be uh, with his opinion. So get along to hear Campo speak. He'll be there alongside fellow Wallaby winger Ben Tune um, and the great Bobby Skinstad from the Springboks. But uh, wait, that's not all. There's also two of probably the finest rugby coaches the world has ever seen in Bobby Dwyer, who coached the Wallabies in 1991, and Sir Graham Henry, who won with the All Blacks uh, just a few years ago. So uh, an amazing event. It'll be fantastic. Uh, You can get more details at redsrugby.com.au or click on the link at greenandgoldrugby.com as well. So... Uh, fantastic event and we hope those that can make it get along and enjoy the event so they've got some brilliant guests at that event the long lunch red's long lunch but uh, one they don't have and we do is our next guest as one of the most dynamic wallaby forwards of the professional era he played a key role in some of those most significant moments in australian rugby including blessley cup wins uh, Lions series win and of course the 1999 rugby world cup where he was a number eight for most of the tournament. He is Todai Kefu. Todai, thanks for joining us. A pleasure to be on board. Mate, we want to talk about Rugby World Cups here, but I have to ask you the question about your your debut test, which was a, a few years before that 99 victory in 97. Bit of a remarkable one that uh, you came on, I think, I believe, playing in the centres late in the game in that 60-point thrashing to South Africa over there. Uh, you, do you still have positive memories of that despite the result? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Everyone remembers their uh, their first test, regardless of the result. But um, you know, it was a hostile environment, and I'd actually been sitting on the bench for for about three or four tests before that, right. um, and I couldn't get on. So um, to finally get on was, um, you know, also nice to experience, but to get it out of the way as well. Yeah, well, that's great. Well, let's start looking at the Rugby World Cup, and I guess for many people, that 1998 year was the start of the momentum building for your team towards 99 and for you it was all new I mean we talked about that 97 debut but 98 uh, you, you started your first test that year versus England in that amazing uh, I think it was 76 to nil demolition of them at Lang Park and, and then you yeah. followed up not too long after with a 3-0 whitewash of New Zealand um, and then even later in the year you, you, you defeated France and a good win at France there a, a remarkable first year of test rugby how was that as a newcomer for you? Um, look, it was great to be a part of, um, and, and we just had a, a, a coaching change. Uh, I think across the board, we, uh, they, they cleared the uh, coaching ranks, and they got uh, new coaches in, and, and that was probably the start of it, um, a, a bit of a, a golden era for, for the Wallabies. Um, and to be a part of it was um, obviously very magical and obviously have a lot of uh, fond memories. Can you recall, was there much talk of the Rugby World Cup that year? Well, there was because um, they 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 could see that um, the Rugby World Cup was was the next year. This was the start of '98 season, and and that was the main goal for that period. Um, so they started implementing some structures and some systems in place. We actually started preparing uh, physically uh, for that for that World Cup. So. You know, we had World Cup camps in '98, right. uh, uh, in the middle of the year, at the end of the the, uh, the rugby season as well. So um, it was a, it was a big uh, it was a big thought out plan to um, to achieve winning that World Cup. Yeah. Okay. So let's for- move forward to '99, and 
we've had a few guys on from that 91 team on it, and one of the things that stands out from that team was the, I guess, the consistency of that team in the 91 year, that the team basically stayed the same all season. Maybe one or two changes, but uh, mm. they are fairly consistent. It wasn't necessarily the case with you guys, were there? So there's some significant injuries with the likes of, I think, Berkey and Eels and Larkham and, and, and Finnegan and the like. Uh, you, you didn't quite have that settled team, but you maintained the, the results. What do you put that down to? Oh, look, I think, it, you know, in that period, um, uh, Rod McQueen, the head coach, introduced the, uh, the, the camps where... I think the first camp was up in Caloundra, yep. uh, which was where we stayed for two years leading up to that uh, that, that 99 World Cup. Um, and that just started to bring players closer together. Um, so I think the relationships between player-player uh, was high. Relationship between player-coaches was also high. So, you know, we had a big care uh, factor in the team. So... You know, we, we were all good mates. Our, our wives would come up and our families there, young families. So we were all socialising on and off off the field, especially. Um, so we were good mates on the field. Um, and I think, um, you know, that was a big factor in, in, um, in winning games back then. All right, so let's move forward to uh, the actual World Cup. And the first game you guys play is against Romania. So, you know, not your traditional team. I think it's, it'll be close to the first time we played. I think we might have played them once before. Uh, you snagged a hat-trick, which is a handy way to start the tournament. Uh, how did you guys approach that test? I mean, do you go into it trying to replicate the same level of test intensity, or is it a chance just to run your legs out or, or try a few new things? How, how do you approach that sort of game? Oh, look, I think um, we, we, we took every test as it came, and, and we played to the... Higher standards. We had a standard where, regardless of the opposition, that's the standard that we we wanted to play at. And and um, you know, poor old Romania. Yep. You know, we'd come off of um, winning the Bledisloe Cup, I think, two years in a row. So we we were a white, you know, red hot team at mm. the time. Um, and we'll, we'll, you know, you'd felt sorry for Romania. I happened to be in in the right place at the right time for my three tries. Um, we were just a good team playing good football at the time. All right, so the next game, we've talked a lot about Ireland-Australia games in this Rugby World Cup podcast series, and 91 was obviously a very dramatic game for its for its completion. 99 was pretty significant too, and, and at least you, we won, and obviously we, we had a good win, and we'll talk about that, but tell us about the famous incident with Trevor Brennan from your perspective. Yeah, well, it, it happened off the kickoff, and... Um, um, he was he was he was renowned as a bit of a dirty-ish type of player, um, and um, we were we were slowly just getting on top of Ireland. And I think they were frustrated. So off the kickoff, you know, he he's he's chased the ball hard, um, and he actually tackled me, um, and then he just he was just getting a little bit niggly. So he he threw a punch. I threw a punch. Um, you know, I think a couple of my mates were holding his arms back. So. I definitely wasn't going to stop. I was in the moment, and I kept throwing, I kept throwing him. Um, and 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 unfortunately, you know, we, I got suspended for the next two games. Yeah. So, um, fortunately, we won the game. It was a tough game. I think it was the toughest game we'd had had since um, since the start of the world yep. that Romanian game. But um, we were we, we were still playing pretty good football, although we were building into the um, into the competition. Yeah, interesting. Uh, interesting point by these Irish. They've obviously got a tactic sometimes. Porto sp- spoke last week about uh, their back rower um, targeting Willie O from a kickoff once, which was a-, a bad decision, and clearly Trevor made the wrong decision as well. So, you know, <laughs> you got to choose your target sometimes, lads. Um, yeah. So you talked about your, your talk two-week break, and you missed USA, but you also missed the quarterfinal Wales. Uh, a two questions I guess one what did you doing do during that time I guess you just became part of the the dirties for a couple of weeks and and uh, still completed full training yeah yes yes I did um it, it was it was quite a strange feeling my wife had just arrived so I, I obviously had some time with her off the field um, um but uh who took my who well, took my spot well, it was um Tion Strauss uh, played that big yeah, game Tion Strauss. Wales, yeah yeah, so Tion Strauss and Tion Strauss had had just been behind me 
throughout that year. So I was I was actually quite worried because um, um, there was a chance if he'd played yeah. well and the team advanced um, that I, you know I, there would be a, a chance of me um, losing my place to him. So I, I was fortunate that they stayed. Um, they had faith in me, and I and I kept my spot. Came back in that semi-final, I think it was, and, and played played all right. Um, but we got the win, um, and then I went on to the final. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. It's what a game to come back in is a, a semi-final, World Cup semi-final versus South Africa, and one that would go on uh, to be uh, obviously that extra time remarkable victory to yourselves. What was the intensity like that in that game? You know, South African Test matches always seem, from the observer, as you know, as tough as they come. Let alone when you have to play extra time. Yeah, look, look, they're, they're tough games, um, um, South Africa, especially um, in those type of conditions, um, because you know they they had a team. They've always got a traditionally a, a strong forward orientated team where they love they love the collisions and they're they're pretty direct. Um, and it was pretty hard to play running rugby in those conditions, um, and and they had a superior kicking game than us. Um, it, it, we were pretty lucky to, um, to to even it up in the end, um, but it was tough. After I remember after the game that um, usually after all this all the um, all the World Cup games back then, we would have an hour or a couple of hours with our fans and our family. Um, um, and we'd go on for a few drinks. I remember after that game, th- there wasn't too many players um, that that actually, you know, went on and had a drink and and had extra time with the family yeah, and right. fans because it was just emotionally draining, physically draining, um, and we knew that, that there was a big game um, down the track. Yeah. Before we get to that game, there's something I want to touch on, I guess, more broadly with this season. I, I talked about, you know, uh, this team definitely had great combinations. And you look at, you know, Timmy and, and Herbie in the centres and, and Griggs and Larkham, obviously, uh, and even that, that front row uh, with Harry and Blades there. Yourself, uh, Dave Wilson, Matty Cobain, was a pretty critical combination there. They, You guys really seemed to work well together, obviously all Queenslanders. Did you, you feel you, you sort of matched, matched each other well? Yeah, definitely. We complemented each other pretty well. You know, um, Matty Cobain was was more of a um, aggressive uh, defence line-out type player, where I was, I wasn't probably, I didn't have a higher uh, as high a work rate as those two, but I definitely run the ball a yep. lot more than those two. Um, and and as you know, we're Queenslanders, and we'd played together for a good two or three years um, um, consistently before that. So. I think uh, that combination probably helped in, in 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 on the selection table as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's have a look at that final now. And we, you know, we know you know France upset New Zealand, so that changed some planning there. But um, and I'm sure you would have been fairly confident going into New Zealand, having them beaten them previously. But France, I guess you had the win the year before as well. What was your memories of that week leading into the grand final and your your preparations? Yeah, look, watching watching the game and definitely before the game, the feeling within the camp was was we thought the All Blacks would um, definitely win. Um, it was a big surprise, and, and we were probably happy that that the French did win. And we, we um, straight after the game, we thought, wow, this is going to be a much easier game than than, than the All Blacks. But I think when when the dust settled and we sat back a bit. Um, that was probably wrong to think that because the French are absolutely unpredictable team, and, and um, if you ever took them lightly, they could they could spring a surprise. To exactly what they did in the semi-final. So we we, we prepared uh, quite diligently. You know, we um, 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 did all our analysis. Um, we we knew that they were they were going to be um, a quite dirtyish used the quite dirty yep. tactics at the start, which they did. Um, and then we knew if we were, if we had that relentless physicality about us throughout the whole game, that we could wear them down. Um, and and then they and and, and the, we actually the script went to plan um, during the game, what we thought it would turn out to be. So 
um, you know, fortunate, fortunate for us, it was a, um, you know, it was a good win. Yeah, it was a fantastic win and really dominant on the back of um, uh, some great kicking from Matty Burke. But you, you mentioned the, I guess, the tactics of the French team. So that was legit. Did you, what did you suffer? You get suffered any collateral damage yourself in that game? Oh no, you, you get the odd scratch in the yeah. eye and their fingers up the nose, and you know they they grab the family jewels. Yeah. <laughs> you know they accidentally stand on your hand and your legs as they're walking past that type of thing. But um, we, you get used to that. And yeah. You play on. Yeah, oh. they do those types of things, and then straight after the game, they're your best mate. <laughs> Good guys. Well, look, uh, after that, you know, fantastic victory. The second time we won the World Cup. What were the celebrations in in, uh, in Cardiff that night? Oh, geez, it went on all night, yeah. um, all, all all the next day. I, I stayed in Wales with friends for for a week after that. Um, um, yeah, fantastic time. I've, you know, I've still got some great memories from that. Yeah, I, I remember my uh, my sister being over there, and she couldn't get tickets to the game. She's watching at a pub outside, and she tells the story that they left the pub straight up full time, and the French fans were great. They were leaving the ground giving tickets to the Aussie fans who couldn't get in the stadium so they could get back in the stadium and enjoy the um, the post-game celebrations and the victory lap and all that. So, uh, fantastic <laughs> memories. Look, uh, awesome win and one of our great uh, Wallaby moments, but we haven't experienced uh, a World Cup win yet. So, Todd, I guess the, the simple question is, do you reckon we're a chance this year? And, and if so, what's, you know, what's going to be our areas of focus? Oh, look, I think... Over there, um, um, our, our main focus, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, um, is you, you need that kicking game and you definitely need that uh, that, that, that set piece. They're, they're two big things that um, that we should be focusing on. Um, I, I don't think it, we've quite reached where we're as happy as we are playing as uh, in the last couple of years, uh, but definitely anything can happen. Um, anything can happen, um, you know, but definitely the set piece of our kicking game is really vital for for the success of uh, winning that World Cup. All right, and, and then what about the, one of the, the, I guess, the key points of this podcast series, we're getting you guys on and we're looking at your position, looking at that number eight position for the Wallabies. Um, who would you be picking as our number eight and what do you think our depth is like there? Um, look, wow. Um, look, Palu, I think, hasn't been at his best the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, and, and look, as a, as a smoke, I like the, the Brumbies number eight. He's quite powerful. Um, Itavia. And Itavia. Yeah. I think he, he could be a smoky for the World Cup. Yeah. Great ball runner. Very dynamic and very powerful. A bit like, uh, very similar to the, to the England number eight. Yeah. Uh, the Tongan body as well. Yep, yep. Um, and, and Itavia, I think Itavia as the more, the more games he plays the better his work rate goes but um, you definitely need that ball carrier that gets over the advantage line consistently and he's a man that can do that job yeah excellent great call and look finally mate will you be at the World Cup I know you've been doing a bit of coaching later have you managed to snag any assistant coaching jobs at all to get you over there uh, no no I was going to be with Tonga but that's fallen through so I'm I'm still in Japan coaching my old team so um, I'll be watching from the land of the rising sun and all right, we'll just quickly talk about that. How, how do you think Japan will, will shape off? Obviously, they've got Eddie Jones involved uh, at the moment there. What's what's your thoughts on their progress? Oh, look, they've improved. They've improved. Um, they've improved over the last three to four years. Um, but, you know, one of their main focuses is breaking into that top ten. So yeah. that's going to be hard for them because, as, as you know, those Northern Hemisphere teams have, have also improved greatly, I think. Mm. England will be hard to beat. Ireland obviously have been the top of their game, and I think the big improvers have been um, have been Scotland. Even yeah. though they haven't gone that well in the Six Nations, I think they're going to be the big improvers this year at the World Cup. All right, well, excellent, Todd. Let's hope that uh, the Wallabies are the ones to take it away uh, back on 31 October over there uh, in the UK this year. It's been an absolute thrill to have you on the show, mate, and uh, we wish you best of luck with the, the rest of your coaching over there in Japan, and hopefully we'll see you back in Australia soon, hey? Thank you, Reg. Yeah. 
Welcome back, everyone. Uh, wonderful stuff there from Todd Eye. Uh, such a wonderful player and, and, and great to see. So still heavily involved in the game of rugby, which is fantastic um, over there in Japan. And speaking of wonderful people still involved in the game, I've got two more here tonight with us to chat Super Rugby and other stuff like that. Will, a.k.a. Braveheart, how are you going, mate? You got those Justice for Robbie Horn armbands going? Yeah, absolutely. They're at the printers now. So, um, yeah, we... Uh... Had a rough run at the judiciary lately. It's uh, seems to be dominating it. Although uh, I, I guess our other guest is also uh, his team has also visited lately. Exactly. We've got Tim or Oz Timmy here. He's going to be joining us to I guess you're going to be throwing opinions around like Laurie Weeks punches, hey? Oh mate, it's free Laurie Weeks week down here at the moment. <laughs> it's just we're devastated for the poor big so, fella. Was that up. free Laurie Week or free Laurie Week? <laughs> free Laurie Weeks week. Okay. <laughs> Don't know how that's going to work. No. Um, all right, well, let's get straight through it. We'll talk about all these issues as they come back, and we'll have a look at round 16 of Super Rugby as we uh, edge slowly closer to the culmination of uh, Super Rugby round. Racing through these scores, again, the Crusaders, they, uh, I guess I'd call it a upset. You know, those local derbies, we never know, but uh, I tipped the Hurricanes. Crusaders won 35 to 18 um, across there in Christchurch. And uh, first cap off the rank, from the Aussies' perspective, the Brumbies down in the Bulls, 22-16. to 16. I'm going to start with you, Timmy. What are your thoughts, mate? Oh, look, it was a pretty tough battle all night. And I, I don't think it was classy rugby, but I think it was just like slow-climbing rugby that we, we look forward to see from those big forward packs. You know, they certainly tried to you know, dominate with the big rolling malls and the, the good set piece. And I think they were, they were fairly... I'd probably, I'd probably rate the Bulls a little bit better in the first half, but it's just that from those lucky breaks, they got close to the line that we got Smiler over. Then uh, Spake got his two beautiful tries, which was uh, you know was good. But you could see a big difference having Scott Sir back in the starting side. Yep. Uh, brought a lot of good presence there as well, and you know, Poey was his uh, usual niggling self at the at the breakdown and got a good couple of pilfers and a, I think a penalty or two there at some stage. So great to see. Um, yeah, again, to May um, uh, was really good on the wing there. Some good kick chasing, and uh, he's starting to sort of show up that eleven jersey there. I think for the Wallabies. So. Yeah, interesting. It's, it's one of yeah. the gaps for us. Will, from your perspective, Brumbies uh, is eight six at half time to the Brumbies and. And ran away, as we say, 22-16. Not so much ran away, but uh, a few more points scored. A bit more finals footy happening there from the Brumbies. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, look, I have to say I was impressed with how the Bulls played. I, I thought the Brumbies would win this game easily. Yep. Um, and and the Bulls really stuck it to them. Um, I, I don't think the score was close because the Brumbies played badly. It was because the Bulls played well. Um, so I, I thought the Brumbies were pretty good. Um, as Tim said, I thought Scott Seo had a really good return from what's been a pretty long injury, really. He must have been out for a, sort of pretty close to two months or something. Um, yeah. he, he ran the ball well. Scrum was pretty strong. And, uh, yeah, that was a very impressive return by him. And, um, again, sort of, uh, I think David Pocock was very impressive. He, he, he's running the ball well and he's making good decisions. Um, so he's probably this season improved the area of his game that was probably his weakest point, which was when when his team has the ball. Yep. Um, and he's been very involved for the Brumbies there and um, and doing good things. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a good performance by the Brumbies. Henry Spate, as, as, with his two tries, was very good. And, um, yeah, one of them was, was um, the Bulls player sort of fell off a tackle. But uh, Henry Spate really hits those lines very hard and fast and um, doesn't give the defenders much room for error. So that, that was very impressive. And, um, again, Joe Tamani is... I still think he's going to struggle to make the World Cup squad, but he's playing really well, which is what we need. We we need players who are unlucky to miss out because mm. uh, you, you don't you don't do well at the World Cup if you're picking if you're scratching around trying to fill your squad up. You need to be leaving talent at home. So it, uh, that's good stuff from the Brumbies. It's interesting, and, and obviously we're looking at team performances. But look, as we get closer, these last few rounds, the more recent form becomes more and more relevant when we start talking Wallaby selections. It's it's great that these guys are playing well at round one, uh, and I think some of these names we talked about, the Rory Arnolds and the like, we're doing so, but it's who's playing now well now is is really probably more relevant to how Wallaby teams get shaped now, and it's those three three names you mentioned in, in Henry Spate, uh, Scotty Seo and, and David Pocock have all got, you would think, pretty important roles to play in that Wallaby team, so it's great to see them um, sort of working themselves into form. Um, Absolutely. Uh, what about um, Itavia? Uh, Todd Ikefu in the 
interview we just uh, completed uh, named him as his dark horse. He named him as who he'd be as his number eight for the Wallabies. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one, Will? Look, I, I don't think he's he's going to get there. Look, um, I guess where I'd look at it is the games he's been best for the Brumbies are probably the games they've they've probably played against the weaker teams. Right. Yeah. And, and and in this one, I wouldn't call the Bulls a weaker team. And and Vaya had a very good game. Um, but I think in their in their biggest games of the year, which partly with the two games against the Waratahs yep. and. Um, He's he's struggled to have an impact in those really high pressure big games, um, and and that's where I think that's where I think he sort of falls down at this stage. I think he's a very impressive player, but um, I, I just can't see us going past uh, McCalman and Palu, and yep. and we'll get to that the, the uh, Melbourne game in a minute. But yep. Scott Higginbotham probably had his best game of the year as well, and um, just hard to hard to find a place for someone like Itavea there. I think he's um, probably an out and out number eight. Probably yeah. can't play huge minutes, and I think has players ahead of him. But he's definitely there's no doubt he he should be a wallaby. Like his return um, this year from from I guess what people thought were was a career ending uh, injury, if you like, yep. with his um, with his blood clots um, has been incredibly impressive, and he's played really well. And I think he's still only 24 or something, yep. so he's he's got a, hopefully a really big future ahead of him, and and. Um, I definitely think there's there's space for him at number eight for the Wallabies in years to come. I just don't think it's going to be this this year for the Rugby World Cup. Yeah, okay, valid point. Well, you alluded to it. Let's jump straight to it. So, um, so Timmy can have his say. The next game from a, a Aussie perspective was that uh, Sharks versus Rebels game played over there in South Africa, with the uh, the Rebs going down by just the four points, twenty five to twenty one, um, after you know being equally close at halftime, ten to seven. The significant factor being that Laurie Weeks red card for a, uh, a flurry of punches in the I think the 28th minute or something like that. Uh, Timmy, talk us through it, mate. What's your what's look? Your I think you, I think you game? nailed it there, Reg. Look, it was, um, yeah, that was clearly the game changer for me. Yeah, look, Laurie will be disappointed with the fact that he, he did throw as as many punches as he did. If it was one, maybe he would have got a yellow, but four. You know, connecting with the head, yeah, that's not a good look for rugby. But I think Yardy was pretty light to get off mm. and um, and what he was doing. But look, that's the game. And and then clearly having that extra man um, less in the back line, you know, there's there that overlap, and that's where they scored those two relatively easy tries in the second half. But as you alluded to, Will Scott Higgins both have had a, a great game, and I, I say close to one of his best there as well. I think um, maybe his Chiefs match, I think, was pretty good in Melbourne as well. But uh, looked really good out there, and um, you know kept us in there right until the end but you know unfortunately we didn't get it. I think the errors that were coughing up in the first half just and both teams were you know uh, were both riddled with errors there I think and it wasn't really great rugby to watch but uh, you know in the second half the, the Sharks ran away with it and got the dominance and you know we're just playing catch up for the rest of the day. Um, Will from your perspective what was your uh, reading of this match and, and any standouts for you? Yeah I think um, I guess yeah, I was incredibly impressed by Scott Higginbotham. I've probably been a bit critical of him this year and thinking he hasn't been one of the best Rebels forwards. Like I think players like Luke Jones and um, um, and Geordie Reid in recent weeks yeah, and Sean McMahon have outshone yeah. him, but um, he had a Higginbotham had a super game. And um, I guess the, the, the unlucky um, sort of, I guess, uh, unlucky person out of Laurie Weeks' red card was Sean McMahon, who... Uh, yeah. Had to go off after after half an hour yeah. and um, yeah wasn't seen again sort of thing which is uh, always the sad thing when a front rower gets a red gets a a red card but yeah. um, no Higgers was was fantastic and and scored two really good tries um, I, I do think he was the the big standout for the Rebels things improved I think late in the game when um, Nick Stazaka sort of noted notably sort of improved things. Um, in the in the uh, second half, or whenever he came on, or actually he came on after the red card. So um, yeah, after the half an hour sort of mark, um, thought Luke Burgess was okay, but he he sort of taken on that um, playing as the ninth forward role mm. a bit too much. Like I, I was kind of amazed, sort of early in the game, thinking who who's that guy um, getting involved in all these tackles and rucks and stuff, and then realizing it was Burgess, and probably a couple of times. He sort of ended up out of position because when he should have been picking up the ball, he was too busy getting into the ruck sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
some some of which was unnecessary. But uh, yeah, no. I, look, I, I think the Rebels would have won if they'd been fifteen on fifteen for the the game. Um, it's hard to like it, it was a close game down a man for, yeah. for sort of forty minutes of it, basically. Yeah, uh, absolutely agree with you there. And um, you know, what's really obvious watching it is is the, how we're missing Tommy Allison out there at yeah. wide in the defence. He he's really good at just getting that defensive line set up and you know really holding you know those good defensive patterns that have been set up for the whole year. But um, unfortunately, his groin injury hasn't been able to play. And now with uh, Sephirat for the uh, remainder yeah. of the season with his broken leg. You know, we're going to have to do some scrambling there, I think, and I think uh, TT will have to make some tough decisions at selection time this, uh, for this Saturday. Um, the name Will mentioned before, and it would talk, again, Rugby World Cup candidates, Luke Jones, Tim. Um, he's been in fantastic form, uh, obviously on the field, but statistically he's producing the numbers as well. Uh, you'd have to think he'd be close to a Wallaby spot, even, you know, uh, his versatility between lock and, and blindside uh, would have to stand him in good stead, you'd think? Yeah, look, I think that's one of the, the things that really makes him stand out is that he can play both that six and four role, and even an eight at a pinch. He hasn't done that much there in the in, in recent years, but he has played there before, and you know, it could always be an option there. Look, he, he's a great athlete. He's a very hard runner. He's starting to get back his form of that sort of hard-nosed, uncompromising sort of running, and that was certainly evident against the Stormers against uh, even Ed Smith last week. And, um, you know, he, he I, I have hope for him as well. I think uh, here McMahon and Higgins are probably the best chances from the Rebels to get in there and, you know, maybe at a pinch Sturzacker, but, um, you know, it's mm. probably a good pinch. Yep. All right, well, uh, there you have it. The uh, Rebels uh, come away from a South African tour winless again, and, and yeah, that's that's the one game you think, uh, in hindsight, that would have been a good chance for them to take away if it wasn't for that flurry of punches. Uh, next Aussie game on the cards was a derby uh, over there in Perth when the Force hosted the Reds, and the, the Reds got up 32-10 um, in uh, Quade Cooper's return to Super Rugby. And Quade was very much the, the the talking point for the game during and post-match. He uh, scored 22 points, which I think is a, a record for Queensland. Most points scored away from Suncorp Stadium or, or Ballymore, uh, home ground. So uh, two tries to him, two tries to Lockie Turner. 17-10 at half-time. It was always pretty much the Reds in control of this one, and, and, and Quade did look fantastic. Um, his ability just to keep the play going, uh, as we saw the first try that he scored, looping around Karevi there, um, the uh, behind the back pass to Lockie Turner for his pass, behind the back and probably in front of the back, um, and uh, then that second half, uh, a, fa- a great piece of uh, interplay amongst the whole Reds team uh, that eventually saw Lockie Turner going over in the corner. Uh, where it must have gone through uh, close to a dozen pairs of hands. And then finally Quade caught scoring that last one from a nice Will Genia dart. Um, And interesting to see the Reds scoring a few tries from uh, Genia breaks of late. So, uh, you know, bottom of the ladder, it was previously. The Reds have obviously soared up that ladder now, but um, it was uh, a a welcome return for Quade Will. uh, He looked, considering the opposition still, but he looked pretty good uh, coming back from injury. He did. He, he he did everything right, didn't he? He um he sort of had the Reds um, backline humming and sort of was directing the the team around the park well. Um, and and I agree that the the Force didn't really play a very good game at all. But um, look, you, you couldn't have really hoped for for Quaid to have a better return. Like I think he's like as as everyone thought, he's he's right back into that top top two options at ten for the Wallabies sort of on, on the back of one game and look a lot of Quade Cooper fans will say he should be the should start for the Wallabies at 10 in the first test but I, and I probably wouldn't go that far yet but um, look he's not yet, what, we, not what yet. we need <laughs> we, we need him to be playing well and, yeah, and he we did that um, I thought he was very good and uh, I thought the uh, the the flick pass to, to Turner was probably forward but uh, yeah. try in the corner but anyway it was a it was a good try nonetheless and yeah, I, I cheered at home and uh yeah, it was it was a, a quite an entertaining game, I thought, and the the Reds were were good. Um, thought Genia had a pretty good game, but I also thought part of that was the um, the, the Force were just so static in defence; they really didn't push up at all. And Genia was sort of given that opportunity to to kind of run across field, like across the line, and and sort of kind of put defenders at a standstill, waiting to see what he did. And uh, 
that sort of gave him great options at, at putting players into breaks and stuff like that. But I kind of think that luxury doesn't exist against a good team. No, so no. I'm not overly convinced by Genia's performance as being sort of a real standout and back to form. But um, look, I think Cooper's was, though. I think that was very good. Yeah, he, he certainly lifts this team. And I think um, the comments from uh, Adam Thompson during the week and, and Will Genia during the week or post-game were... Uh, with all due respect to the young guys that play fly half, um, Quaid tells the team how he wants to play, you know, where they have to go, what they're doing next. He really directs that team along. So he's um, he has that impact on that team, just his, his sheer presence. Uh, the fact that he's just one game, first game back uh, is beside the point, but just his and, presence and I guess, on the field. Sorry. Yeah, I, guess, I guess you really need that from a fly half. Like, yeah. And I can see why it'd be very difficult from a, from a young player coming in, like, I was talking about Jake McIntyre sort of yeah. coming to the side after a long injury layoff where he's sort of the new new kid on the block and probably doesn't have that confidence. But like, regardless of how senior or junior your 10 is in your side, you still need them to be kind of telling other people yep. what to do and what they want them to do. And I can see that that's very hard for a young player to, to do when they're sort of in awe of having just sort of walked into the professional sort of professional rugby and, and all these sort of, I guess, international sort of teammates around them who played test rugby and stuff at um yeah so but yeah cooper's obviously crucial to that that red side yep um tim you're obviously a big quaid fan yeah look i think he it's it's brilliant to see him back in full flight and i I, unlike you guys i thought that pass was you know just very flat but not too forward there so um yeah, it, it's great to see him out directly around that team there, looking really, you know, starting to get back to his old self, and hopefully for the next three games he might be able to show a little bit of that and maybe sneak a, a place on the Wallaby bench. I don't think he's deserving of a start yet, but um, time will tell. It, it, as you say, it's everything humming along with him there at the helm, running as the general, everything just working really well, getting the good ball to the back. Whereas I look at the force, <clears throat> and I think, you know, they're trying to build their game around McCullman and Hodgson. And, you know, really with this one-up run, there's no support. Mm. Penalty turnovers, it's it's just it's a crying shame to look at. And, you know, with this um, whole game of C.S. Eberson, just getting the ball, kicking it straight out, not really wanting to use his back. So you're not seeing Cole Godwin do anything. So that's really not going to do his World Cup chances any good. But, you know, it, they really have regressed this year. And, you know, yeah. I, I think Foley has got some nice serious questions to answer. Yeah, and we'll get to that soon. The other, I guess, the one standout we should talk about from the force perspective was Steve Marfley, who put in a wonderful game. Um, uh, Got to say that if if he wasn't uh, capped for Tonga, yeah. um, there'd be a very good chance of him going to the World Cup. He's Absolutely. just uh, such a just adds that sort of. I guess he's kind of a, a bit of an X factor lock, if you. Mm. Know, and I think we all hate that word, but uh, he really provides that sort of um, something different at, at um, in the tight five that uh, no one else really has in terms of that sort of rangy running and. Um, it's a bit tricky as well. Like he obviously loves to to be in the middle of the ruck and then yeah. pick the ball up and go. Up and which run. I'm not sure you. I'm not sure you can really do, but uh, <laughs> he seems to get away with it on a regular basis. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's certainly, he's certainly great to watch. There, just as I said before, you've got to have a support around you. Otherwise, it all, it's all for nothing. You'll just turn the ball over as a penalty. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to the final game uh, from an Aussie perspective of the weekend, and it was that. Uh, Waratah's match uh, against the Lions, losing 27 to 22, uh, with the score being 17 to 10 at halftime. Uh, Will, mate, go for it. This is all you. Obviously, uh, a few incidents to talk about in this game. Nonetheless, a couple more yellow cards, including yet another lifting one. Yeah, so I guess a, a disappointing game from a, as a Waratah's fan. They, um, I think things were going quite well uh, until until Rob Horn got got Sinbin in the, the 27th minute for a lifting tackle, which he's, he's now subsequently got three weeks suspension for. So, um, yeah, he's sort of not, not available till the second week of the final. Um, and look, it's... I, I didn't think the tackle was that bad, personally. I thought the player probably landed on his, his bum first, um, but quite flat on his back. Uh, but, yeah, like... Clearly, the, the 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 directive is you just can't lift people in a tackle at yeah. all, at, tackle anymore at all. Like, um, it's just you, you're just going to suffer the wrath of the uh, the referee and the judiciary. Just got to cut it out of the game, and and clearly that's what they're trying to do with with the harshness of the penalties and the um that they, they love their, their their extra two weeks deterrent factor in the um, yes. <laughs> in the penalties that come in. But but that was the 
turning point of the game. Like it was very even up until that point, and the Tars were just ahead. But um, they, Tars gave up ten points in those ten minutes while um, Horn was off, and then um, pulled things back. A, well, that was that was half time, and then after half time, they then Jacques Potgieter came on um, for uh, um, Wycliffe Palu and, and gave up a yellow card. For, four minutes into the second half and and that was probably just a lazy one just like, lazy wasn't it yep the lines were on a bit of a sort of were moving the ball wide and um i think it was warren whiteley the uh, lions captain was sort of um well potgater thought he was going to get the ball and and ran up to tackle him and then he didn't get the ball and so potgater sort of pulled out of the tackle but was so close he was always going to run into him so instead of tackling a player without a ball the ball he ends up doing a sort of shoulder charge on him and and gets the yellow card. So I think in that situation, you're kind of stuffed however you, whatever you do, um, because you, you're going to connect with that player. But I think you've just got to commit to the tackle and surely you don't get a yellow card for tackling a player without the ball rather than the shoulder charge sort of thing. But, yeah, exactly. Um, look, they, yeah. they kill the, the Waratah's chances and, yeah, disappointing overall. But the Lions, the Lions are a good team and they really, they really played well in this game, I thought. They... They really their intensity and energy from the first kickoff was was very impressive. Like they turned over the turned over the ball of the ruck from the Waratahs and then scored a try a couple of minutes later. It was sort of a lightning start with uh, some really sort of adventurous play, um, which is good to see. Like it's good to see a South African team willing to throw the ball around a bit and um, and getting some success with it. What was your um, your take on the new boy Hugh Roach there at hooker? I thought he had a very solid game. He, I think he made, made sort of was ten or twelve tackles yep. without missing one, miss and one, yeah. um, the lineout was was reasonably sort of solid. He, he sort of, I think, stuffed his first throw was too short and and got intercepted, but but he did all right at the set piece. Our scrum was under a lot of pressure, um, which I think is partly due to Roach, like he's a mm. bit of a smaller hooker, yeah. and and compared to Pilotta now and Latu are both quite renowned scrummaging hookers. Um, so that was sort of a bit tough for him, but but credit to our, our pack, they sort of even though they were going backwards, we managed to win all our own balls. So um, yeah, and I thought um, Adam Ashley Cooper had a very good game, and yep. uh, Curtly Bill had his best game yeah. for quite a while. I thought he was for a couple of nice passes, didn't he? Yeah, he was very good in attack. Um, still probably turned the ball over a few t- a couple of times, but as did the whole, whole back line. And but he was probably the big creator in this game for the Tars and. Uh, yeah, they just uh, needed a bit more of it. But the the whole the, the defence across the back line was pretty disappointing. A lot of players missed uh, tackles they normally shouldn't. And um, Israel Folau had a very uh, unusually bad game. Like in the last 20 minutes, he really made some some really poor mistakes and uh, uh, bad decisions, and which we're not used to from him because he's normally just so cool under pressure and somehow makes the right decisions. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame because he had that cracking game the week before. Um, but you're right, it, it's few and far between, and you can bet it won't likely happen uh, next uh, this weekend. Uh, but you're right, a lot of missed tackles there from the Waratahs. And uh, in the end, they'll be disappointed with that result. I guess a lot of people without uh, without uh, Skelton and Latu you know, anticipated the Dars going down. They got closer than a lot of people thought. So, they're, you know, arguably some positives to take away from, but um, still a loss is a loss. And the impact on the table is interesting because they now fall down to third spot. And if you look at the Aussie conference, they're now actually on equal points with the Brumbies, uh, but maintain that uh, number one conference spot because of the tie-breaking rule, which uh, I got from Sansa. The first uh, differential is most wins from all matches. Uh, So the Tars have won nine games to the Brumbies' eight. Uh, Then it goes to highest aggregate points difference from all matches. Uh, where the Brumbies actually better. They've got 108 to 45. Uh, most tries from all matches. I don't have those details. Highest aggregate difference of total tries versus tries against. So it gets down to it, but at this stage... And coin toss is the last one, I think. Uh, coin which toss is, is the last I'd one. I'd love yeah. to see it, wouldn't you? Wouldn't this be amazing? <laughs> the finals yeah. hopes rest on, on a coin toss, and, like and someone loses. Yeah, Friday night lights. You'll you'll have yeah. Larkham and Chica, the two Wallaby coaches, meet on the border somewhere, halfway in between. Uh, Canberra and Sydney at a, a, a diner and do the coin toss, eh? Yep. <laughs> I don't know if she go and gather rock, paper, scissors or something yeah, like that. It'd be more entertaining. Exactly. Um, so that's the ladder at the moment. Hurricane's still on top. 
Storm is now jumping to second spot. Waratahs stand a third. Highland is uh, on fourth, despite being on 48 points. Chiefs are 44, and the Brumbies on 42nd, with the Lions on 40, the closest of uh, the next lot. Um, let's get into uh, round 17 in a second, but we've got our five burning questions, guys. Uh, and the first question, relevant to all that, is uh, is discipline going to be the decline of the Tars in 2015? Will, I'll give you the, the benefit of answering that first. Um, look, I, I'm going to say yes at this point. I think it's it's really derailed. Things were looking pretty good after that Crusaders win a couple of weeks ago and then um, the two sort of suspensions out of that and, mm. and really the shift of the focus away from the team to, to those, I guess, appealing those suspensions. Like, I think just generally badly handled, and now they've lost Rob Horn, who's been one of our consistently best players all season. Um, I think it's I think it's really hurt things. I think uh, we need results to go our way to, to get second on the table, and if we don't get bonus points, we could fall <laughs> fall to sixth um, yeah. with the Brumbies winning the conference. So I, I think we've made life very difficult for ourselves. We really need to get 10 points from the last two games and um, hope the Stormers, I think, get... Only eight, because if uh, if we tie with them, they'll again beat us. I think. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. All right, Tim. What about you, mate? Yeah. Look, I think um, the, the discipline problems have happened right at the worst times, especially going on tour. So you've got to fly guys who back in from Australia for another one suspended, and that's what happened with John O'Lance this week. Look, it's um, it, they were going up pretty well as as Will's had up until the. Uh, Crusaders match and now hitting it at this time and with a run into the finals means some key players out, um, especially Tolalata for four weeks. You know that it's it has put an impact back on the squad and you can see that it's starting to strain, especially as you were talking about uh, Hugh Roach and you know this is sort of just starting to build himself up and you know you're, you're losing a lot of uh, experience in those key positions. So you know I think if the the Tars don't do well this year and don't defend the title, they'll reflect on these particular moments and say what could have been, I think. Yep, I agree. All right, second question. Uh, obviously, Richard Graham has been under the pump a fair bit. I think we discussed him last week. But should the focus be elsewhere? Should we be looking west at Michael Foley? Is he under more pressure than Richard to keep his job? Or should he be? Tim? Yeah, look, I think um, Michael Foley's in a lot of trouble at the moment. He, the team has regressed this year, and look, I don't think he's been able to flip up any answers. He's certainly got some decent cattle there. He's, he's probably got some deficiencies in key positions, but I don't think it really justifies his team earning a wooden spoon this year, and I think um, I think they need a fresh set of eyes over there. Will? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I think, like, obviously, the, the big problem at the start of the season was that they'd missed... Matt Hodgson for the first eight weeks or something, who was really their talisman. Um, but I think the, the team's almost better than it was last year in some ways. Like Steve Murphy's been a big recruit. Um, I guess on the flip side of that, their scrum has gone backwards because um, uh, Kieran Longbottom Kieran leaving. Longbottom, yep. Their scrum has certainly gone from being a very strong scrum to probably being sort of middle of the road this this year or even, even worse maybe. Um, but I guess some of their and Matt Hodgson would be included in this, just a lot of their key players just aren't playing to the level they were last year. Like Nathan Charles, obviously got a, got a gig with the Wallabies after a couple of injuries, but um, he's nowhere near that, that uh, equation at this point of the, at this, this year. Um, I think they're the, the players, only players who are playing really well are, um, are uh, McCalman and Murphy. Um, Albie Matthews and a, Again, was a, was was one of their best players last year, and he hasn't had a good mm. season. That's been a bit interrupted with injuries, and hasn't been starting most weeks. But uh, yeah, a lot of those players who were who were really good and consistent last year just aren't aren't performing this year. All right. Now, also coming from that uh, that Force Reds game was obviously the form of Quade Cooper. Now, uh, the rumours started, I think, last week, late last week, through Timmy Horan suggesting that. Uh, Quaid's keen to stay in Australia now and and has just signed a letter of agreement or whether it's a handshake deal with Toulon, but wants out um, and that may take a financial payment. Should uh, the ARU contribute to this, Will? Should they be stumping up, covering some of this uh, this contract-breaking fee with Toulon? I, I'm going to say no. I, I don't think they should at all. It's. It, I think it's poor. It would be poor policy, and for an organisation that's quite cash strapped, um, they made their offer to Quaid before, and and that offer 
that offer should persist. Like they should definitely have an interest in signing him. Um, if he really wants to get out of that Toulon deal, I think he he needs to sort it out, and he can probably make it work some way. Like I think in these sort of scenarios, if um, if a player doesn't want to doesn't want to go and play for a team, even if they've signed something, it's probably not good for the team for that team to really force them to do it yep. because it's unlikely to be a good unlikely to be, to be a good relationship. Like if a player's heart's not in it and they want to be elsewhere, they don't play well. So um, hopefully Quaid can get out of it on, on his own if that's really what he wants to happen. But I don't think the ARU can really get too involved there. All right, Tim, what do you think, mate? No, I don't think we should. Uh, the AO should help him at all. Like he, he, he made his own bed. He's got a lie on it now. Unfortunately, but having said that, it's great to hear that he, he's interested in staying in Australia. But I think he needs to work with his manager to negotiate something, whether he does a flexi contract or whatever it needs to be, in order for him to stay in Australia without any financial impact back on the ARU. All right. Next question. We'll move to the international stage now. We've got the Aussie under-20s. The Junior World Cup uh, starts tonight, I believe. And I guess by the time a lot of you are listening to this podcast tomorrow, on on Wednesday, the Aussie under-20s would have already played their first game versus Samoa. Um, They've named their team for that game, and it it, it looks strong um, with a lot of high-quality players, super rugby players and otherwise in that team. Uh, We've disappointed of late in this tournament. Will... Can we make it to the semi-finals and beyond? I think we can this year. I think we've got a, a stronger side than we we brought last year, and um, yeah, I think I think they're good enough that they can progress. But it's it's I guess for people who don't know the the structure of the tournaments um, makes it quite difficult. And the same as the uh, the women's World Cup, where they've got th- um, three pools, and the winner of each pool makes the semi-finals, and then the the highest sort of point scoring in terms of competition points. Uh, runner-up makes it through as well so um you sort of got that lucky loser thing where uh and look we're based on our previous results we're in the same pool as south africa who uh who are incredibly good Mm. and i think we'll they're definitely one of the teams to beat and i don't know whether we can do that but look we yeah Yeah, so i guess to progress to the the semi-finals we've our plan has to be to beat both uh, samoa and italy with a a four try bonus point and then try and pick up a at least a losing bonus point against South Africa, um, and then hope that's enough. Uh, so I think last last year I remember I think we um, we just missed out on the four try bonus point against England, and that would have uh, that would have done it for us to get through. But um, so it's it's always likely to be touch and go. But uh, I think this team team has the talent to get there. Yep. All right, uh, Tim. What about you, mate? Look, I've got to admit, I haven't looked at the form quite closely on this one yet, but I'm going to just take the parochial Aussie stance and say I think we can make the semi-finals. It will be tough against um, having the South Africans in our draw, but, uh, you know, funny things have happened on the world stage. Yeah, absolutely. All right, final question of the burning questions. Is uh, the Japanese Rugby Union is looking for suggestions for their team name, uh, which will enter the Super Rugby Comp next year. What's your tip, Tim? Any ideas? What would you go with? Oh, look, uh, as I said earlier today, my creative brain's out for the day, but um, uh, a while ago I thought of the Godzillas, um, maybe things like the Samurai or the Rising Suns is a bit of synergy back with our Melbourne boys here, but um, look, I, I, I'm not really too fast what they call themselves. I just hope they're competitive for the, uh, for the season coming up. All right, Will, and what about you, mate? I'm going to go with the Sumos. The Sumos. I think it's it's got a little. It's it, well, I, I read that the thing they want they want a name that's uh, both uh, tough and tough and brave and also Japanese. So Excellent. sumo seems like a good one, um, and uh, it's also seemed a bit funny. So I, yeah. I like it. <laughs> exactly. Um, we uh, it's interesting to see the development of these teams. We've heard a lot about Argentina. Plenty of players being signed, and we know their administration is looking strong. But we're not hearing much out of Japan other than this premise behind a, a, a team name so hopefully they are as you say Tim uh, strong and, and we uh, have an exciting development to the competition next year that's one we'll probably talk about down the track all right good stuff guys enjoyed that some uh, good answers there and plenty to discuss and again people if you're in the forum um, on on the blog post make sure you let us know your answers and obviously any suggestions for that Japanese name would be great uh, all right let's have a look at round 17 guys as we wrap up the podcast soon we're going to go through these games so give me a tip um 
first and foremost. Tim, I'll start with you. First game of the round is Hurricanes versus Highlanders over in Napier. Uh, will the Hurricanes bounce back? This should be an absolute cracker, won't it? Yeah, look, I think it'll be... Uh, it will be a tough match, and uh, it was pretty competitive last week, but I'm, I'm, I'm sensing a little bit of... Um, not panic, but just probably a, a foot off the accelerator in the Hurricanes camp at the moment, and I think... Uh, the Hurricane, uh, the, sorry, the Highlanders is just starting to step it up a little bit. So I'm going to tip them for a close win. Yep. Okay. What about you, Will? I'm going to go with the Hurricanes. I think uh, Bowden Barrett's returning this yeah. week, so uh, I think that's going to make a big difference to them. And um, I can't see them playing as badly as they did against the Crusaders again. So I think they'll get up here. But uh, I guess they've, in some ways, they've thrown home ground advantage out the window by by mm. moving to sort of a, a regional. Well, a more regional... Everywhere's in New, in New Zealand's regional, right? So they've, they've got more regional. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the Canes, I think Bowden's uh, critical to them and uh, fully expect them to bounce back after their loss last week. Next game after that on Friday night uh, over there in Perth is the Force taking on the Brumbies. Pretty damn important game for the Brumbies. They need to score some points here if they want to uh, challenge the Waratahs for that um, that top of the conference there. Will, which way, uh, I assume, you'll, given all you said in the, the match review, you'll, you'll think the Brumbies will do this. Do they think that, Do you think they'll score enough points? Um, I'm going to say yes. I think they'll get a four-try bonus point because uh, I think they're, they're, they're doing enough at the moment and I think the force has struggled against every team except the Waratahs. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yep, I... I I, I see the force not really not really playing well here. I, I don't know what's gone on, what's gone wrong this year, but it's it's not working out for them. Uh-huh. Yeah, Timmy, what about you, mate? Look, yeah, I can't say the force winning this one. I think the Brumbies are playing, starting to play really well again, starting to hit straps, and I think they'll um, do a full try bonus point here. I think you know the there could be a bit of competitiveness out of the out of the force. They you know don't like losing uh, too many big matches in a row, but uh, I think the Brumbies will be too strong. Yeah, I suspect the force uh, looking at the. End of season, um, and uh, the Brumpies, Brumpies are looking at the postseason, so finals time. I think they'll lift big time, and it'll be a, a very good Brumpies win. Uh, your boys, Timmy, uh, they're back, and they're hosting the Bulls in Melbourne on a Saturday afternoon game, mate. Yeah, look, it's a bit rare for uh, Melbourne to be hosting a Saturday afternoon match, but with the long weekend on, it's uh, a good opportunity for uh, rugby to shine on a Saturday afternoon. Um, Rebels ha- obviously will have some team uh, positional changes to make, but it uh, looks like the Bulls have already jumped the gate by uh, resting Pollard and Strauss for this match. Um, there'll be a bit of backline shuffling in the Rebels uh, with, with Seth Rad and a question mark hanging over Tommy Allison, so it might be a chance for TT to sort of mix things around, maybe in, um, Harris to 12 and Hegarty at 15, or yep. maybe mix around the wingers. So, look, um, I think with our season, uh, well, not over, but not able to win the finals, I think it's it's time to throw cautions to the win a little bit and just uh, try some things out and see how we go. But um, I'm hopeful for a, a very tight Rebels win. Will, do you reckon they could do it? Yep, I'm going to back the Rebels here. I, I've, I think they're good at home, and um, look, it's, it's certainly it, it makes it tougher having travelled back from South Africa while the Bulls have only travelled from Canberra. But uh, yeah, I think the Rebels could do it. Um, I, I reckon if Ellison's not right, they'll they might shift Shipley back to the centres, yeah. and, and hopefully we'll see the uh, former Waratah Cam Crawford get another crack on the wing. Uh, but um, yeah, I think the Rebels will win this one. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the Rebels will do this well there. They deserve it. They've had a good season, and uh, let's hope they finish the season off strongly. Um, uh, next Saturday game is a Blues versus Crusaders game at the famous Eden Park. Um, uh, Will, what do you think here? Um, the Crusaders will yeah. win this one. Uh, even though the Blues have a pretty good record at Eden Park, uh, I think the Crusaders are sort of coming home pretty strong. It won't be enough but uh, to get them to the finals, but uh, they should win this one. I think the Blues have, Blues packed up and went home a few weeks ago. Yeah, I think you're right. Tim, what do you think? Yeah, Chris Hurd is in the canter for me. Yep, I'm with you. All right, next game's a pretty interesting one. Um, the, the Reds versus the Chiefs up here at Suncorp Stadium. Uh, the Reds have soared to 12th spot. Chiefs obviously still there in 5th. Um, uh, Timmy, do you give the Reds boys any hope? Oh, there is a sniff. If they look from what I saw last week against the Force, and albeit the Force not being at their top uh, form at the moment, I think um, there's been a few times this year where the Chiefs haven't travelled too well. Uh, down to Melbourne was one good example of that. So, you know, if I if the Reds can pull out what they did last week and Quaid is firing again, um, it could be a very tight match. So I'm going to go for a smoking pick. The Reds. 
Uh, okay, nice. And Will? Yep, I, I think I'll get on that bandwagon as well. Uh, Love it. The late season, plenty of room. Late season search to, uh, to save Richard Graham. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> another another storming game from Quade Cooper and... Uh, yeah, let's 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 say the Reds, and I hope that I hope they do it. It'd be be good to see them win at home. Yeah, look, I think they can do it. It's the Indigenous round; they always do that well, and the Reds do play well on the Indigenous round. But probably more significantly, it's it's the last home game for Will Genier and James Horwell, um, and that's been a big factor with the Reds promotions this week. And so it should be two uh, massive games, uh, two massive players for the Reds. And if anyone's been to Ballymore, they see those two faces adjoining the three-story administration block. Um, which is going to take a bit of money to replace for next year, but um, they're such uh, central components to the success of the Reds and uh, will be sorely missed uh, to Reds' former captains and key players. So I think the boys will lift well for them. Uh, Chiefs coming off a big loss to the Highlanders last week, but uh, the Reds will continue to climb. Uh, OK, Will, back to you, mate. The, Wa- the Waratahs now travel to Bloemfontein and they take on the Cheetahs there, um, minus Robbie Horn again, um, so uh, it, it's a tough one for them, but they're very important. Yeah, so look, I, I think it's desperation next for the Waratahs now uh, in terms of trying to win the conference. Uh, I think they'll win this game. Um, the Cheetahs have been a bogey team in the past. We've, we've lost more to the, more times to them than we've won in recent years, but um, I think this will be this game will be fairly fast and loose, which is sort of the Cheetahs' sort of style, yep. but I think... I think the Waratahs will get there, and hopefully they'll snag a four-try bonus point. Uh, but, yeah, I've looked at the time for this one. It's, it's uh, the early Saturday yeah, yeah. game from South Africa. It starts at 11 o'clock, yep. which is uh, a bit friendlier on uh, on viewers compared to 3 a.m. last week. Yep. More manageable. Timmy, what do you think? Do you think the Tars can do it? Look, it's going to be a tight one. I don't hold Will's optimism here, unfortunately. I don't think it's going to be a bonus point win because, you know, the Cheetahs have had those up and down seasons. They've been terrible one week and come out and knocked off the Big Ten the next. So, look, I think it'll be tight, but I think the, uh, the Waratahs will just go over the line for this one. Yeah, uh, this is a tough one to pick. Um, the impact of Robbie Horn, who has had a big factor, I know he plays wing, but he's been pretty damn significant for the Waratahs all season and let alone just his defensive work um, covering for Kirtley Beale and the like. So, uh, look, if they do win, I think it's going to be the likes of Adam Ashley Cooper as a big one. I might tip the cheaters on this one uh, in a, a surprise upset. Um, and, and look, sorry, I should say when, when I said the Waratahs will hopefully get a four-try bonus point. I think the Cheetahs probably will as well. <laughs> yes, it seems to be the, the way that, games, that yeah. these games go. So I, I think it'll be a high-scoring affair. So hopefully the Waratahs end up on top. Yep. Um, all right, last game of the round is the Stormers versus Lions. Uh, Timmy, any reason to think that the the Stormers won't run away with this one? No, I think I'll get the chocolates on this one. What about you, Will? Yeah, I'd have to back the Stormers at home, but. Um, yeah, yeah, Newlands is such a such a fortress for them, but uh, I think it'd be very close. I, I think the Lions are really good, and um, it'd be a tight game and, and very physical. It'd be a good good battle in the forwards, that's for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, the Lions have got it all there. They uh, they win this game, they will uh, jump to the top of the conference, so uh, they'll have plenty to play for, and particularly in the back of the Waratahs. So, yeah, I think I'd stick with the Stormers at the moment, but that'll be a, a, a good game to watch. And that wraps up round 17, guys. I'll, I'll run through some quick news, and please jump in if there's anything you want to add to this. We talked about the Aussie under-20s. Their tournament starts uh, tonight or, or sort of Wednesday morning when they play Samoa. They next play Italy on um, Sunday morning about 4.30 a.m. These games are all on Fox Sports, so Australia will play Italy at 4.30 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time on Fox Sports 3 on Sunday morning. And then on Thursday morning, the 11th of June, we play South Africa. So that's obviously a really key match for us. So uh, make sure you tune into that. But uh, by the time the podcast drops, uh, by the time any of you are listening to it tomorrow, you'll, we'll know the result from Samoa. Uh, some super rugby developments. Uh, obviously, Sam Carter and um, uh, Niavalu from the Rebels are both had season-ending injuries, which is uh, very unfortunate. Carter, um, particularly from a Rugby World Cup perspective, um, so we wish them all the speedy recovery. Um, some re-signings. Benny McCalman's just re-signed with the AAU in the force for three years. That includes a, a flexible contract. So he has a season in Japan after the Rugby World Cup, um, which will be interesting to monitor. I think a, there's a bit of a feeling growing that um, 
that that back-to-back-to-back season may not be that good. Uh, Not many players have been able to bounce back the following season and and have a decent season. So we'll watch how Benny goes next year. Um, Benny Alexander has stayed with the Brumbies. Another year signing there. And then the Tars late last week. Bunch of de- uh, signed a lot of young guys, which is great to see. Hugh Roach, Jed Holloway, Jack Dempsey and Jim Stewart. So um, plenty of player movements happening there. Uh, and, and then finally, again, uh, the Reds' long lunch. Uh, reminder that is happening on July 16th. They're obviously Queensland Rugby, and this event is uh, a sponsor of this podcast in our Rugby World Cup Legends series. Um, get there to see Campo and Tuni and Bobby Skinstad and then Bob Dwyer and Sir Graham Henry will be uh, a fantastic experience. So there'll be a link on our blog post, but obviously you can go to redsrugby.com.au for more information. Um, that will be a great event, uh, particularly for those who have been enjoying our Rugby World Cup chats uh, as we've gone along. And there hopefully will be another one next week as we move uh, closer. We're into the tight five, so... Um, We'll just see how schedules uh, allow as we uh, we will uh, confirm our next uh, interview very soon. Uh, Tim and Will, thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you. My pleasure. Uh, and to all our listeners, thanks for joining us as well, downloading us. Uh, don't forget to leave a comment in the blog post if you're keen. Um, and uh, get out there, enjoy your rugby. And, uh, you know, to all those junior participants and parents... Remember, it's just junior footy, guys. Let's just let them have fun, hey? Um, And we shall speak to everyone next week. Catch you later. Right there, right there.